Hey, good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to Bright Lights, our weekly uh, excursion into the world of achievements and achievers, where people come on and share their uh, route to success uh, and how they had to sacrifice, uh, make certain commitments, strong commitments, and be tenacious to overcome obstacles. So we'd like to share that their experiences with you uh, in the area of business, family, and just ideas, which is, like I say, which is the category I like the most uh, because uh, it can encompass just about any subject area. Uh, once again, uh, my philosophy uh, on Bright Lights is that we don't censure people. I mean, the whole idea, I think, behind a healthy democracy is that as long as people aren't breaking the law, uh, put their uh, ideas and opinion out on the marketplace. And, and you know, if we can't trust, and sometimes it looks like we can't, uh, if we can't trust the uh, ability of our people to discern uh, facts from fiction and truth and things like that, we're in trouble anyway as a democracy. Uh, before I go any further, uh, please go out to my website or while you're watching this, uh, uh, do uh, the like and subscribe buttons. Uh, go out to my website, lacejohnson.com, and support the podcast uh, in any way you can, communication, financially. Uh, and so I'm just reminding uh, you to do me that favor. Um, this is uh, Thanksgiving Eve, Eve and uh, I'm, I'm due to cook uh, Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. So after I leave the podcast tonight, I got this special crock pot Cornish hen recipe that I'm going to try. I'm going to do the special dressing, cornbread dressing, of course. Uh, I'm a southerner and uh, don't take this the wrong way, but I, this is a line out of a movie. No self-respecting southerner will eat anything but cornbread dressing on Thanksgiving. And I just ran into one of my friends here, though, and he said they gave him this great cornbread dressing recipe. Uh, he's from Minnesota, by the way, and he's been making it for the past three or four years by the gallon because he made it. And now his family and friend don't want to eat anything but that. And, you know, we understand that. Uh, what else we got for you uh, here this evening? Well, our guest, I guess that's one thing we should know. Uh, our guest uh, this evening uh, is uh, Mark uh, Bashovsky. And uh, he's going to come on, and we're going to talk about uh, mental health and physical health and spiritual health issues. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some experiences as uh, uh, physical therapists. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of his the things he's doing as far as alternative medicine, I think it is, and uh, naturopathic medicine. And uh, hopefully he'll have something to help me with my uh, a vertebrae issues here. Uh, I don't know whether it's exercise or chiropractor uh, or anything like that. And of course, when you start talking about health, mental health, we're going to talk about some of the, uh, uh, the theories and uh, data and real science behind uh, the vaccination and things like that, And we we'll, we'll, which is all tied to health. So we're going to tie all that together and uh, hopefully you can enjoy it. Uh, and like I said, in a promo earlier today to my audience, uh, even if you're cooking turkey right now, uh, you can listen to my podcast. Uh, we aren't doing that much visually here, 
And uh, I guarantee you that uh, if you're cooking while you're listening to my podcast, that Thanksgiving dinner would taste just a little better than it normally. So anyway, uh, that's enough of that. Uh, let's get on with our guest tonight. Uh, welcome to Bright Lights, Mark. How you doing? I'm doing great, Lacey. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, let's, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, are you helping out with Thanksgiving dinner? Are you eating at home or are you yeah. going to visit relatives? We're eating at home with my family of six. Um, we're going to do a, a, a big organic chicken. Speaking of oh, okay. Okay, we're okay. find a, a good organic turkey for the, 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 the right money. So we're going to, my, my wife's uh, a purebred Swede, so she's going to make some lefsa. Uh-huh. That's a tradition of hers. And then, uh, you know, sweet potatoes, regular potatoes, green beans, broccoli, cauliflower, lots of healthy stuff. And my wife will make some kind of a gluten-free, sugar-free dessert for us. Okay, so before we get start the podcast, uh, your wife is from Sweden. It, wh- where did Lutefisk originate? Which which one of those? <laughs> you know, I think that's <laughs> which is Norwegian. First, does with Lutefisk. <laughs> yeah, my grandma's uh, uh, was Norwegian, and she would eat that stuff. And you'd have to leave the room. Um, the smell mm. of that stuff. I've never had it, but I think it's Norwegian, but right next door in Norwegian. Okay, right, right, right. Okay, pretty, okay. Very similar cultures, I believe. <laughs> Okay, well, since we got started on your family here, uh, let's go back a little further and start with your uh, childhood and where you're from and uh, what was your aspirations uh, when you were young. So where are you from, uh, Mark? Where were you born and raised at? Born and raised in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So just down the Mississippi River a ways, two, two and a half hours from here. Okay. Yeah, I grew up, on a, I'm a product of the 70s. Born in 71. Um, so, yeah, born and raised in La Crosse, a beautiful town. Um, you know, I grew up kind of uh, in La Crosse. It's funny. I mean, because you hear, you know, born, you know, you're from the other side of the tracks, that saying. And in La Crosse, uh-huh. there's a set of railroad tracks that uh-huh. on one side, you've got kind of your wealthy folk. And on the other side, you got your uh, middle class, lower middle class. I came from that side of the tracks. Okay. And, okay. You know, my dad was a welder. Uh, my mom was a housekeeper at a hospital. Um, so, yeah, I came up from the other side of the tracks. You know, I was the kid that wore tough skins. Do you know what tough skins are, Lacey? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, tough skins are the, the pants you'd get from Kmart. And, oh, okay. <laughs> and so I was the kid wearing the tough skins, and I, I was uh, – God gifted me with some moderate athletic ability, so I was placed on these teams like tennis, mostly wealthy kids. And so I uh, – tried to be friends with the wealthier, you know, from the other side of the track. So it was a challenge for me growing up, um, being kind of the poorer kid, hanging out with the rich kids. Um, but yeah, um, growing up was, it was fun. You know, uh, my mom and dad were great. I, my dad was, uh, uh, very, he's, he's still alive, suffering with Alzheimer's. Now he doesn't even know who I am anymore, but he, he's, a uh, he molded me, I think, to, to who I am now. He's, he always taught me um, happiness first. Money doesn't matter as long as you're happy. Um, and he lived that, you know, yeah, to his heart. You know, if you've got your family and a little food and some warmth, nothing else matters. I I'd always get him to go, let's go on a vacation to Florida. Let's go do this. I don't need that, Mark. I don't need yep, that. Yep. 
<laughs> Try to go no. golfing at the really expensive golf courses. Like, why do that? We can go here for 10 bucks. Aha. You know, uh-huh. That so, kind of guy. But, you know, you had the same fun at the $10 course as you would have at the other. So I learned a lot in that way. And he always taught me, you know, and I, I think of this often, you know, where I find myself right now. He always taught me. He told me this all the time. Question everything. Always question everything. You can't take anything at face value until you feel it in your heart to be true. So here I am questioning everything. We called it health skepticism in liberal arts college and things like that. And I never forgot that phrase. Uh, we should always have health skepticism. You mentioned a few themes there that I have in common. Uh, well, a couple of them is that uh, I always wore the cheap dollars uh, tennis shoes instead of Converse All-Stars. Uh, and just me and another guy. Everybody else I could, could afford Converse. And sometimes I think my parents, if they really pushed hard, could have afforded it. But they are kind of like I am. Kids should not be given everything they ask for. Uh, we yeah. should deny them certain things. And I, I practice that. Uh, also, I should tell you uh, that uh, I visited lacrosse when I was in college. A, a classmate of mine, actually, we worked at an engineering firm together. We were still in college. And he invited me to lacrosse one weekend. And there was a lot of little children that his little sisters and brothers uh, brought to his house to meet me because believe it or not, uh, lacrosse, I'm quite sure it's changed. Now, they had never uh, met a black person before. And I just remember that. Uh, so that's one memory. And then uh, Mark, downtown lacrosse. I was just surprised. I don't know how it is now, but I've never seen a place with so many bars. Yeah. Guinness Book of World Records. Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, really? Is bars. it really? I don't know yeah. how, what the language is exactly, but it's, I don't know if it still stands either, but yeah. uh, the most bars on like uh, so many feet stretch is third street, downtown lacrosse, you know, there's three uh-huh. colleges there and it's, uh, there used to be a big brewery, Heilman brewery. Uh-huh. Was in yep. town and they closed, got bought out. Now there's a little one called lacrosse city brewery, but it was big. I mean, it was like the second, you know, as far as employing as many, you know, the most uh-huh. people, the second in lacrosse when I was growing up and we had the world's largest six pack. So these big cans they look like uh-huh. where they would store the malt liquor. Um, so it just, it's a party town still. Is. Yeah, it is. Yes. Three colleges. It's beautiful there though. You, if you remember the bluffs, the high yep. hills there, that's in an yep. area called the Driftless area. So when the last glacier came through this area, it just kind of went around that this area they call the Driftless area. So you've got this really rugged terrain with high bluffs and it's right. a beautiful yeah. area. Well, we're going to move on to some uh, uh, heavier – no, that's nothing heavier than this. Uh, but other subjects, but uh, the only last thing I'll say, I know that University of Wisconsin-Madison, I think, used to be the number one party school in the nation, uh, and it's probably still that, which which was kind of always uh, strange to me that uh, with all the partying and drinking and stuff that I've seen uh, – I shouldn't say drinking, the bars – uh, at one time, the Wisconsin Highway Patrolman was one of the strictest I've ever seen. So I don't know whether that's still the case either. Uh, so let's uh, your education, uh, Mark. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. And uh, I know you, you've done some things in physical therapy and you're working on some things in health coaching. Uh, give us a little background on that for our yeah, audience. So, yeah, so actually respiratory therapy. Um, respiratory therapy. Okay, yeah, you're right. right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, graduated from Central High School in Lacrosse. 
I was not the greatest student um, in high school. Um, I was kind of never really, you know, my background where, where, you know, how I was brought up. I was never really encouraged a lot. I was one of my sister and I were the first in our whole family uh, to graduate from anything other than high school, you know, Mm -hmm. so I wasn't encouraged a lot. I, I didn't do so well in high school. I was kind of bored, you know, it wasn't that I didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. didn't, uh, I didn't study a lot. I was bored. You know, that's a whole nother subject, the school Mm -hmm. system and how it should maybe change to cater to people's interests differently. But yeah. And then I worked a few jobs. I've done everything. You know, I was actually a grave digger for a while, but yeah, after I went to college in a little town in Wisconsin, uh, studied liberal arts at in Richland Center. It was a University of Wisconsin, a small campus, mm-hmm. and I I was looking at history, biology, and a lot of those instructors, uh, professors were just pretty honest with me. Like, you know, I was really interested in history, and they're like, "Well, if you don't want to get a, a master's or a PhD, maybe maybe think of something else." Um, went there for a while, did pretty pretty darn well. I proved myself there that you know I, I had some, I had a brain. Right. And then uh, I went on with life. I, I, I worked a few jobs, um, union job at a cemetery. Um, and coming from my blue collar background, I, you know, I didn't I didn't know what what my life was going to become. You know, I just yeah. knew that, like my dad would always say, what are you going to be when you're when you grow up? And then I'd say something professional baseball player. He's like, no, just be happy. Just say you're going to be happy. So right. money right. was never a big deal. But then I. would I went to our uh, technical college down there in La Crosse. It's called Western Tech College right now. And I, I looked at all the programs that they had. Um, and then I deduced it down to what didn't have a waiting list. And mm-hmm. I chose respiratory care practitioner and respiratory therapy. Uh, okay, okay. And okay. Uh, God was on my side there because I wanted to do physical therapy. I wanted to do nursing at the time. But mm-hmm. after being in the field of healthcare for, for the 22 years I've been, I am so grateful I ended up and respiratory therapy it fits me perfectly rest i see that physical therapists are in a stretching people's legs all day mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> nurses are kind of tied to one patient all day whereas a respiratory therapy you're kind of going where the fires are right right you know and you know it's very exciting uh-huh. um and so i i picked respiratory care graduated with i think i had 3.9 something um really proved myself there my self-confidence really blossomed there i was nominated uh, for academic all-american it didn't win darn it but uh so yeah and then i, I moved, up, moved up here in 1999 um started at the university of minnesota campus at the time mm-hmm. and quickly went into neonatal taking care of babies um, fascinating world when you're taking care of babies that are a little bigger than a barbie barbie doll you know right right An incredible world that is and um really kind of went to the kind of the highest levels you could go there. And uh, then I worked at the Children's Hospital in St. Paul, and I was able to do flight transport there. That was another amazing experience, flying on helicopters and fixed-wing aircraft going around the state, picking up critically ill newborn babies. That's where I met my wife. Met my wife. Flew flew on a helicopter with her, and I was like, she's pretty and smart. (laughs) Were you both working at the same uh, facilities? Yep. Uh, St. Paul Children's Hospital. Yep. So <laughs> met her there. Mm-hmm. And then we got married, moved to Stillwater, you know, on the St. Croix River Valley. It was always a dream of hers to live in the River Valley here and got a house. And and then I, I got a job over here in Stillwater. And so did she. And here we are still in Stillwater. 
uh, have any children? Yeah, I've got. So my wife has a. We have a. I have a stepdaughter. She's going to be sixteen in February. So scary. She's starting to drive. Uh, yeah, and, that's scary. Scariest then, time for a parent. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then uh, <laughs> I've got a nine-year-old. He'll be ten December seventh. So he'll be ten soon. And then two six-year-old boys. So three boys of my own. Six-year-old twin boys. And boy, oh, okay. Ooh, it's wow. work. It's work, but man, it's uh. Yeah. I love it. I'm I'm that kind of dad that kind of upsets my friends because I don't want to go fishing trips. I don't want to go to shooting league, shooting clays. I don't want to do anything. I just come home from work and I want to be with my boys all the time. I'm just addicted to them. They're just fascinating. I love them so much. I, I you know, hopefully all dads are the same. But I live for my my boys. Well, I, I, it's good to hear you say that because. Uh, when I was working uh, and my kids was growing up, I always made sure I set aside time. I was home at a certain time, almost always, because sometimes you got meetings, your own business trips and things like that. Uh, make a long story short, looking back on it, I spent even more time with them. In fact, every minute I could spend with them, uh, looking back on it, uh, you know, hanging out at frat functions and having happy hours and stuff with the guys at work. I would have never done that looking back on it. Uh, so yeah, thanks for that background. Uh, let's, let's jump into some issues here. Uh, I do know that you are concerned and have a passion for health, the area of health and healthcare. Uh, I know that, uh, both physical and mental, uh, I think spiritual health. You talk about things like addiction and the role is playing, all these things are playing in the current environment. And so I'm just setting you up, Mark, uh, to tell us uh, your work in that area, what's motivating you and any goals or objectives you have in that area uh, and any other thing you have to say. So tell us about all this uh, interest and great work that you're doing in the healthcare. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've been interested in, you could call it alternative health right. for, for 20 years. I've been trying to, I've been reading about, you know, you hear about trans fats and how they're bad for mm -hmm. you. Know, I knew that 20 years ago. So, right, right. Um, you know, that kind of thing. I'm not into acupuncture, those types of things, though I do believe those things can work too. But, you know, in my 22 years of service in the healthcare industry, you notice that, you know, what we have right now in this country is a $4 trillion a year symptoms management yep. system, mm -hmm. symptom suppression. Mm -hmm. You know, these people come in there, they come in many times when it's just too late. Right. And they're, I, I don't believe that there's enough awareness around right now. I mean, look, look, we're the sickest country in the world. Mm -hmm. We are the sickest country in the world and by far $4 trillion a year. And we have 240,000 people in this country that are either overweight or obese. We have 130 million that have diabetes or prediabetes. That's nearly half the country. Yeah. We have 25 to 50 million, depends on how you look at the numbers of people with autoimmune diseases. And these are relatively new. I mean, people, we're, we're sick. We're sick. 70% of our country is on at least one pharmaceutical medication. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've been watching this happen for 22 years. 
taking care of myself um, the best I can. And um, full disclosure, I'm no longer a respiratory therapist. That's a long story um, having to do with the current environment and, and mandates. Mm -hmm. um, but so I, I followed my passion. You know, one door closes and sometimes many more and maybe better ones open. Right. Um, and in this grassroots movement, I've been kind of the leader of. I've met so many amazing people. One of them being Dr. Matt Scott. Mm -hmm. I hope you're listening, Dr. Matt. But he's a he's a coach. Uh, he's a he's a chiropractor, but he teaches functional medicine. So I've been in his program learning the the real fine details of how to actually get somebody healthy. Right. And you know what I'm finding is is you know physical health of the body affects the mind. We're 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 so interconnected. And, and being ill, you know, this, I don't want to get into too great a detail, but they discovered in 2010, it's really just kind of on the forefront of this frontier right now, but the gut biome, maybe you've heard of it. Yeah, I have. I have. So for every one cell you have in your body, that's a human cell. You've got five to 10 times as many bacteria. Yep. yep. And those bacteria, you know, we're in a symbiotic relationship with these mm -hmm. bugs and and you, you've maybe heard your gut, you know, you got a gut feeling, your gut's your second brain. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're not healthy, maybe a lot of us don't even know what it's like to not have a cloudy head, you know? Right, right. You know, it's like, I don't know how healthy, you know, even healthy people are. But right. I do know that, and, and I noticed this too, it seems like many of the people that get more ill have mild mental illnesses, those kinds of things, anxiety disorders, things like that. And we can mm -hmm. fix that stuff, you know, but there's not a pill that's going to do it. Mm -hmm. It's more of an awareness thing. Um, and along the COVID lines, I saw a study today, 800, this is a CDC study, 800 hospitals, 540,000 patients. The number one risk factor for death was obesity, which that that made sense. That's what I was seeing in my mm -hmm. when I worked in a COVID unit. Mostly, I'd say if you were under fifty and slender and decent shape, you're you're good to go. Right. But right. obesity was uh, the big one, and being over maybe seventy five. But the second leading risk factor, it blew me away, was um, disorders of anxiety and fear, fear disorders like mental illnesses. And oh, I wow. After hearing that, it rang a bell because many of the people, maybe maybe autism or maybe just people that have like manic depression, um, Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Uh, it's really it kind of blew me away hearing that. But, you know, the mind is the mind, body, spirit connection is extremely powerful. And I think you need to start with just general health, right? You know, getting your body healthier and then your mind. And like I said to you earlier, maybe in an email, but, you know, if you fix your health, if you can feel better about yourself, if you can think more clearly, you're going to have a better spirit. Right. Um, you're going to be less apt to addiction, right. maybe less apt to being involved with crime. You know, right. um, it really connects to everything. And I think, you know, like they say with any individual person, if you don't have your health, you have nothing. What about this country? Right. Well, well, here's the thing. Uh, you're pointing out a lot of great things. Uh, I tell people that our approach to uh, medicine and healthcare is uh, do what you want, eat what you want, 
and when you get sick, we got a pill for you, uh, yeah. for you to take for the rest of your life. And there's very little education on nutrition and things like that. Uh, as and the th you're talking about the uh, gut bacteria and things, and uh, I'm quite sure you're aware that has a lot of effect on our brain. Uh, I'm quite sure you are aware of the fact that uh, the sugar people convinced us that it was fat that was causing all the problems. And so we went to sugar and carbohydrates, which is not good for the brain. I just found out also that uh, as part of my looking into this, uh, the brain is what, like 80% fat? And it needs good fat. And it don't need trans fats, but it needs good fat. And so a lot of people do not know this. And we'll talk some more about the whole uh, federal food guidelines and things like that and how that screwed up everybody and they're not telling anyone about it. So there's a lot of, what should I say, systematic type of things that we're doing very wrong. There are people out there that know we're doing it very wrong, but they're not telling the people of it about it. And, um, Somewhere down the line, we're going to talk about, I think, uh, some biotech, uh, not biotech, uh, the big tech uh, censorship and things and things that they're not telling us. Yeah. And I was telling someone, um, Netflix uh, has a, a series on the murder of Malcolm X, and I'm just amazed. And, I, you know, I'm, I've studied a lot of this stuff, but I was just amazed at the information I didn't know in the role of the FBI and them knowingly sending two innocent people to prison for 20 years and just what, and, and I'm a system and process kind of person. I pay attention to system and process and just to see how that whole thing works and the whole criminal justice system works. So let's, but let's get back to the health uh, uh, issues that you're talking about. I think you're pointing out some good points there and I'm particularly interested in, and we, we can carry on for another show, autism, uh, uh, and the all of a sudden, the certain surge, surge in autism, and I'm interested. And most people know that I live uh, uh, in North Minneapolis, which is considered the hood area here. Uh, and I uh, just see uh, that uh, young black males uh, just disproportionately uh, impacted by autism. Uh, and you mentioned uh, the uh, drug addiction and the mental health and the, and everything. And we do have a lot of people in our community uh, that has seen a lot of a lot of trauma, uh, murders, and everything else. And, and and but we don't have enough mental health facilities uh, available to deal with that as a as a community. So, so one of these days, I'm going to follow up with you on that. Uh, you mentioned uh, the role of some of these health things. Give us some uh, facts, figures, uh, data, or whatever uh, that. Uh, is applicable applicable uh, to our current uh, health situation, the pandemic, and uh, how we're tr how we're treating it or shouldn't be treating it, and the things that we aren't doing, and just that whole area. Uh, uh, and let's talk about the mandates also, because uh, look, I, I, I'm honest too. I, I read studies and I read for myself, and I know for myself, and I know a lot of the things that we're doing is just doesn't make sense. They're, they're uh, pondering it off on the public as a science, but I know it's not science. But just give me how these health issues and your knowledge and uh, the health issues uh, have impacted your perspective on uh, the current situation, what we're doing, and things like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's troubling to me. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's 
you know, I started, you know, back in, I'd say March of 2020, when this kind of pandemic kind of hit here in the Midwest, mm-hmm. um, I had a million questions, you know, and like, it goes back to my dad, always ask questions, never take anything at face value. And I don't know where I came upon this, but, you know, the NCIB, the, I don't know what the acronym is, but the, they were ma- making um, coronaviruses in North Carolina, Chapel Hill. In 2015, they added a spike protein to a, I think it was a bat virus, and they were amazed. It says right in the paper, you can Google it. If you Google North Carolina, Chapel Hill 2015 coronavirus study, you can see it. And they were amazed at how infectious it was to human lung tissue. And then I know they, they followed that over. Um, Zing Shi, I think was her name, mm-hmm. was the scientist that um, they had to take it over to Wuhan, China. And I somehow stumbled upon this before COVID even came, just investigating things um, after the SARS outbreak many years earlier. And then so when this virus came, I I started asking doctors, you know, this looks like a lab leak. Like this virus is just weird. Losing your sense of taste and smell, but you can still breathe through your nose. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not like when you get a stuffy nose and you can't smell or taste. This is a drink. Never before. And the clotting, this COVID is a very much of a clotting disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people, micro clots, they call it, and bigger clots. Mm-hmm. And then the appearance on the chest film, um, the x-ray was just this very across the board standard, what they call diffuse ground glass infiltrates, where it's just kind of a whiteout on both sides. A typical pneumonia is like area right. or two of the lungs. And so to me, it was just like, this is odd, never before. And then, you know, the... If you tried to say then it was potentially from a lab, you know, it was like tinfoil hat, you know, just for asking questions, you know, yeah. like kind of. Um, so I started asking those questions. Um, some of the doctors would say things like, um, what does it matter anyway? It's here now. That really upset me. That was a, a group think from the mainstream media mm-hmm. because it matters. It's probably the most disruptive event in modern human history. And to find out where it came from is essential. We, right. we have to know so that it doesn't happen again. Right. You know, right. so, you know, it's well, uh, I, I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, just so, that, you know, I've been asking questions all along. And um, so I worked in a COVID unit from the start, you know, without proper personal protective equipment, you know, without a vaccine then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was sad, you know, a lot of the things that are happening. And I think, you know, I don't even want to be partisan here. I think just, yeah. uh, the worst part about the whole thing, I think is the separation of the elderly folks I held. Um, this is not an exaggeration, probably 10, 12 hands as they took their last breaths Ooh. because they couldn't have family members there to be there yeah. for them when they died. Yeah. Well, that'll take a toll on you, Lacey. That's that's some of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, trying to be, mm-hmm. um, trying to give them that human connection as they're fading from this world to meet their maker. Um, right, right. So I was just, you know, I was very ups- upset about all of it. Right. And not, not even from a partisan standpoint. I didn't know what was right, happening. Right, right. You know, I didn't know what was happening. And then you got the, you know, these medications that apparently were working that we were not allowed to try. Um, all those things 
disappointed me yeah. greatly. You know, it's uh Well, it's, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. The doc. It seems like the and I, I the doctors I worked with, I had a great relationship with them for ten years at this hospital I was working at. Um, it kind of fell apart through all this from me asking all these questions because I, I don't think they wanted to answer those questions because they're hard questions. And I think right, right, right. it was a protocol they had to follow um, for whatever reason. But, you know, it was like do the same thing over and over and over and over and they die over and over and over and over without trying other interventions. It, it blew my mind. Right. So, yeah, I understand. Well, first of all, and I, I'll get to my punchline shortly. I, I'm just a, uh, I try to be a voracious reader, and I'm just curious and interested in everything. And when it first came out, uh, I have questions. You know, th if as long as there are loose ends and things that's missing, I figure I don't have the truth. So I just keep digging. And what a lot of people don't know that uh, very early in the process, they had disregarded this whole theory about it started in the wet market from some kind of animal I never heard of. But there was a study very early in the process that said that that animal was not even in the wet market that day or right. that time frame. Uh, I was reading uh, uh, about the uh, microbiology behind it. And, you know, us human beings, we have been around. I think they found the, the oldest human skeleton they found is they, they figured it's 300,000 years old somewhere in Africa. So we've been around at least 300,000 years. We've been having all kinds of pandemics. I'm like, what's different yeah. about this one? But here's just a couple of uh, other points that I read for very early in the process. And there was a lot of studies out there that uh, scientific studies they they were not reporting on. Well, first of all, uh, we got uh, some of our scientists over there helping them in this lab, uh, set up and working with them. Uh, second of all, look, and I, I'll stop here because, look, I mean, to me, it is, just doesn't make any sense for human beings to take a virus and try to uh, 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 ruggedize it for lack of a better word. You know, I mean, you're gonna splice some other genes in there to make it even more deadly. To me, that's almost like every time you do that, you're creating a Frankenstein monster, a Frankenstein monster that we can't see, and that it's gonna be a heck of a thing to put under control. So, why would anybody do that for any reason? I don't know why people that should be the average person should be more concerned about that fundamental issue to me more than anything why are we even doing this and we know we know eventually it's going to get out and it's, and it's going to do what it is in fact we could probably got some more uh even deadlier ones that is going to come along but we should not even be doing that and i think it's called gain of function uh type of work we should not even be doing that in the first place and i i'm just surprised uh there's not a lot more outcry on that because, like I say, it's like creating uh, in invisible Frankenstein monsters in the lab uh, 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 every day, all day, and you know it's eventually going to get out. So that's my thing on that. Uh, hey, you mentioned uh, that you basically got out of uh, 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 therapy. Uh, uh, what what kind of thing? It's not physical respiratory therapy. therapy. Respiratory, yeah, right. Lungs and things help people breathe. Uh, yeah, hello, yeah. Uh, so 
I've been reading that uh, a lot of uh, the shortages in Minnesota, as a matter of fact, of healthcare workers across the country, and that a lot of it is due to a healthcare worker like yourself. You don't want to get vaccinated and you don't agree with the policy. Uh, fill us in on that issue and how uh, have you personally witnessed some things like that? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, oh, I can go on on that. Yeah. So th there's a, you know, there's been a shortage of hospital workers for years. Right. Right. You know, they, and whenever they say hospitals are full, it's not physical space or lack of beds. There's I know no, there's no staff. Right. I that's, read that. That's yeah. when a hospital is full. Yep. There's, there's yep. plenty of room there. And so exactly. they've, they've been full. Um, and right now they are completely full. I mean, right. the hospitals in Minnesota where we're at are completely full. Um, I know a lot of people that left a lot of people, a lot of people left early in the pandemic. People were taking, you know, out of fear, they right. were taking okay. early retirements or just right. like had opportunities elsewhere. So people trickled out then and over the mandates, um, and there's still, you know, a lot of people are getting uh, religious exemptions accepted, no medical exemptions, but people are getting some religious exemptions, but it's kind of a selective process there. I don't know how they're choosing who to accept and not, right. um, but like in the department, the respiratory care department I came from, um, two of us left and, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I have a lot of experience. I mean, 22 years. I've done everything you can do. I was a lead therapist. I trained therapists, taught nurses. I, I helped the doctors when they, you know, we didn't have pulmonologists on staff. So we were responsible to run the ventilator um, 100%. We chose the settings. We had to understand modes, flow, um, all these different things, volumes, how to make these things work without destroying the patient's lungs. But uh, myself, I left and my friend, Michael, he left a couple of weeks before me over the, the same the same issue some of these departments are one spoke from the wheel collapsing honestly and, and it doesn't make sense to me and i you know i told my so early on in this in this pandemic i i'd been talking to the administrators at my hospital very open with them um they were like-minded thinkers with me they you know early on i told them what was going to happen i was like you know what you're going to do here they're going to they're going to come up with the vaccine very quickly. This is probably like April 2020, mm -hmm. you know, and I said, they're going to come up with this really quickly and then you're going to mandate me. And they were just like, oh, no, we'll never do that. that. The public will never go for that. And I told them, well, when you do, I'm going to kindly decline. And if if I'm if I'm not good enough for you, then, you know, we'll have to part ways. And it all came to fruition. And they're, these hospitals are suffering and they're not suffering just from lack of staff. They're suffering from a a dissolving culture um, where I worked, man, great place. I thought I was going to retire from that place. I loved it. It felt like I was working with family and taking care of my neighbors. Just right. loved it. I right. loved that human connection. I'm going to miss it. I love taking care of patients. It's one thing to go in and do a little respiratory care. And it's another thing to, to, to reach out to these people and show them that you care and love. Not not all practitioners and, and nurses do that. Not not to say anything negative about them, but that was kind of my bread and butter. I mean, my I saw my mom go through healthcare and die, and I saw what the difference was in the care she would get from people who like really sincerely cared. It would make her day. And so I told myself when I got into this field that I was going to treat every single patient as if they were immediate family, and I truly did that. I would connect with these people. 
Um, but that started to fall apart in the pandemic. I mean, mm -hmm. not for me, but you know, there, there was infighting people talking and arguing about, you know, the Vax or, or not being able to try these medications and it is just falling apart. And it's not just my hospital. I'm, I'm in contact with a lot of people with my organization now and it's hurting healthcare, you know, and it, you know, for me, it's not just one choice about a mandate or, you know, this, this one vaccine, it's what's going to happen to the community. You know, a lot of people I hear from people, good riddance, you're a disgrace to the profession. And I just say, God bless. But I don't think they realize that if they're sick and they need a ventilator, they really do want someone like me there right. to take right. care of them right. or my friend, Mike right. or somebody. What happens if there's nobody? It's, right. This affects the whole community and right. communities need to come together. There's so much division and isolation in this world. Um, people need yeah. to start being kind and start loving each other again. I agree. It's it's hard though because uh, if if you're like me, when I hear a news story, I dig two or three layers deeper than that. And uh, whenever I do that, nine times out of ten, the high level news story give you a totally different wrong picture of what's really happening. And I've been pretty straight on uh, up front on my podcast. Uh, I, I'm just so disappointed in journalism today. It, it's like the what you were talking about as uh, the lack of hospital beds, ICUs, or whatever care facilities. Uh, it's not. It's 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 a uh, 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 human resource issue. We don't have enough people. It's not other issues or too many people not getting vaccinated. In fact, uh, the data I've read. Once I read that story, once again, I did, dug a little deeper. The best data I've been able to come up with, the latest data, is that of all the ICU beds in the country, less than 15% uh, are COVID patients. And, you know, when I read the stories, you think COVID patients are overwhelming uh, the system. You would think that uh, it did not have to do with the fact that they don't have enough employees. I mean, it, it, it just gives you a, a, a totally wrong impression. So that's just one area uh, uh, that I'm referring to. So how do you see, uh, and you mentioned that you talked to your friend and you had a prediction about what's going to happen. How do you see us going forward from here? Uh, given, and this is when I say to people, and I try to be logical in my approach to things. I've always tried to be, look, uh, the virus isn't going away. Uh, we're going to always have variants. Uh, does that mean we're going to have to walk around with these mandates and restrictions for the rest from now until eternity? Yeah, as long as there's human beings. So I, I'm trying to uh, talk about how all this stuff is going to end. Uh, so tell me uh, what do you see in the future as far as how they prescribe that we deal with this and any type of ish, other issues that you might seek uh, over the horizon. Yeah, I think, you know, personally, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I don't know how this is. You know, there's a certain faction of our mm -hmm. government and popu population that, you know, wants to lock us down, separate us, isolate us. Um, I don't think that's the answer. If you look at states that were locked down and fully masked versus states that were wide open, there's really no difference. 
I know how viruses work. I was a mask fit tester for 10 years. You know, I tested. Like, right, 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 right. I happened to test uh, some cotton masks and, uh, and some surgical masks. They don't stop viral particles. Yeah, they just simply don't. I mean, there's, if you look at every single study pre-COVID, you'll see that. I don't know what's happening to the media. I don't know why that's yeah. reported. I don't. I don't have the answer there. But you know, I think you know, it goes back to my original story. We need to get healthier. I got COVID about five weeks ago. I, I used. You know, I did. I I did do some ivermectin. I wish I hadn't, honestly, because I truly believe now that the these wormwood, turmeric, echinacea, astragalus. There's a mushroom called chaga that every study you see is the most antiviral thing you can find. Um, you know, there's things we can do naturally, but I was healthy before it. Right. You know, if you're a healthy person and you're not over 70, your your chances are like you're, you're more likely to get struck by lightning than succumb to COVID. Honestly, it's like right, you need to be right. healthier. That's the fix right. here because it's not going away. Right. You know, and to be to be submitting our children to this, I don't know. And I'm for freedom. You know, right, if someone right. thinks they've done their research and they want to, you know, vaccinate their children, that's your choice. I, I'm, but I, you know, to me, it doesn't make sense because they know that these kids, because the data will show that a young man, especially, is at much higher risk of getting myocarditis from the vax than he is of even being hospitalized of COVID. It's somewhere between four and 20 times greater chance to get this myocarditis. And I talk to people who are for it and they're like, well, it's to protect the older people. Well, isn't that like a terrorist takes the wife and the kid and puts them in front of to protect? Mm -hmm. Are we going to sacrifice our children to protect older people? I don't think any older people would would really agree to that if they looked at the numbers. Right, um, right. It's confusing. I don't know where I don't know where we're going here. Yeah, um, yeah. But but if we really follow the studies and, and and I'm not gonna talk to get into it too much. I mean there were studies in Southern California, USC, uh Santa Clara very early on in the process that dealt with the numbers, real numbers versus these this formula that they came up with that we uh choose that, that was unreliable. But here's my thing, Mark. Uh unless we stop this gain of function yeah. type of activities. Uh, we, it's something worse than uh, COVID is going to come out of this thing. You got that right. You know, and, and, and so to me, and you know, uh, I'm a root cause kind of guy, and I like to get to the bottom of things. And the number one thing, uh, the number one issue to me was we were doing this work in the first place. And as I look uh, towards the future, this gain of function work, and as I look towards the future, uh, as long as we continue this gain of function work in these labs, something worse is going to get out. And I don't, it just scares me. I mean, I don't know why we aren't talking about this. That To me, that's probably is the main issue that came out of here. Why are we taking relatively harmless viruses and basically splicing genes to make them capable of killing the whole human race. Uh, yeah. It just it just doesn't make it. And nobody's talking about that from that no. angle. They're yeah, not. Know. You know? Yeah. It, they call it biodefense. I've read about mm -hmm. it. You know, yeah, their, their explanation is, yeah. well, just in case our enemy, you know, comes up with this too, we have to find a way to fight it. 
you know, and then there's these people that think it's a bioweapon. Is it biodefense? Is it bioweapon? I, yep, yep, you know, yep. I grew up, I don't understand any of it. I don't understand bioweapon or biodefense. I, we, we all grew up saying, you know, you should be able to talk anything out. You know, I'm the kind of guy, I've never been in a physical altercation in my life, Lacey. I mean, never once. Been in a fight, push and match, nothing. Because I was taught, use your, your mouth, use your words, work things out. I was always taught, you got in trouble at school fighting this. Why is it that we allow the governments of the world to blow each other up and build crazy viruses that are going to take out the population? Like, it just, I don't get it. You're right. And that should be the number one conversation going on right now. Like, right. what the heck happened? Where'd it come from? Right. Stop what you're doing so that it never happens again. Yeah. And the sad part of that, uh, some of our taxpayer funding, for U.S. taxpayer funding, is supporting this effort. So, uh, once again, we'll follow up on that subject uh, 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 later on, too. Uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about in the time we have left. Uh, uh, about your website, which I saw, uh, stop the mandate mn.org. Is this related to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights? Uh, I'm assuming some kind of thing. Uh, uh I know it, uh, when you're dealing with politics, uh, it's mainly about power. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your nonprofit called Stop the Mandate mn.org. So, stop the mandate mn.org is uh. So yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I'm an ordinary guy, Lacey, just a dad, just wanting to be with my kids. And then come August, this past August, when the mandate for the vaccine came across my computer at work, mm -hmm. I got fairly upset for lack of better words. And, um, I decided I, I want to do something here for, for freedom, medical autonomy, you know, and again, right. freedom, if you want the vaccine, go ahead. But right. I worked through this thing. I held people's hands when they're dying without even wearing a mask that was correctly fitting. Like I was putting when early on, I didn't know how lethal this thing was. I didn't, I didn't know if it was 10, 20% fatality rate. So I'm in these mm -hmm. rooms being a human. I made the mind to say, I'm going to risk my life so that this man does not have to die alone. And mm -hmm. I did it without a vaccine. Um, I'm at risk medically. I've been vaccine injured. One of my children was. So I, I don't know if it's a genetic thing. And my kids are vaccinated. I'm not an anti-vaxxer by any. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I just, I got upset. Like they weren't going to give me a medical exemption. And I was like, are you kidding me? You're going to walk me out this door if I don't submit to this thing that I consider to be at this point still somewhat experimental. So I got upset and I didn't see anyone else doing any kind of like awareness outreach. So I decided, well, I'm going to try this have never been a public speaker or community organizer in my life. And I, three months down the road, I've had two big rallies at the state Capitol with thousands of people. Um, I talked to famous people like you. I've been on NBC nightly news with Lester Holt. Um, the people in the Capitol for better or worse know who I am because I've been asking them what they're going to do for us people. You know, I've worked my, I'm a hard worker. I've got a family. I've worked hard. I, I deserve to pursue happiness. And, right. uh, you know, in my opinion, but, you know, everyone's got their opinion here, but I wanted to find people that thought like me and have a grassroots movement that would show our voice. Right, right. And it grew. It um, Outside the realm of my, you know, my vision even, it, it's, it's, I never thought I'd be here. I'm at the point where people are asking me to 
run for office and never in my life did I ever think those would be, you know, but God works in mysterious yeah. ways, you know, it's, uh, and early on, Dr. Scott Jensen told me, cause I called him about day four of this. I had a rally after four days of deciding this 700 people in my small little town, probably the biggest one to date in the cities at that time. I called Dr. Scott Jensen and he mentioned me, uh, Esther 414, uh, who knows, but that you were chosen for your royal position for such a time as this. Right. And I literally felt like I didn't sleep for a month. I swear I was on the phone trying to get websites built, talking to people, reaching out to other organizations, getting advice from people. And I felt like I was lifted and carried through the whole thing. And I find myself here and my faith has grown enormously through this, uh, you know, prayer, just, um, asking for guidance and courage and wisdom. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been an amazing, unfortunate journey though, Lacey, like um, right, right. not anything I ever wanted to do. You know, I'm uncomfortable when I'm up there on the steps of the Capitol, I'm shaking. I don't, you know, I'm getting more comfortable with it now because of the people kind of giving, empowering me, giving me that confidence. But again, I, I love everyone. Man, I just, I'm not here to make fights or I'm here to fight for general freedom. Because here's one thing. Right now, they're they're not allowing you to choose essentially what goes in your body. Mm -hmm. At what point are they not going to allow you to choose anything? What if you've got cancer and there had been 10 good treatments to select from, but they're like, well, this is the one you get. You don't get these others. You know, at what yeah. point do we lose all control of our bodily autonomy? What happens to the patient doctor autonomy? It should be you talk to your doctor, you make mm -hmm. a decision between you, your doctor, and your God. Right. That's going well, away. I, I find it ironic, and I try to be consistent and logical. I find it ironic that, and, oh, by the way, I'm up front as a Christian. I'm not for abortion, but, you know, the law stuff. That's Caesar stuff, I think. It's a question of heart and minds, and we Christians need to uh, approach it that way. Uh, but it, I find it ironic that people who argue in favor of abortion say you should be in control of your body. Yeah. And those are the same people in this situation. They're throwing that principle out, of, uh, out the window. And it just, that hypocrisy, I'm still trying to understand. Uh, yeah, so I'm assuming that sooner or later, uh, somebody will raise the issue where, you know, if woman have a right to do what she wants with her body. Why doesn't everybody have a right to do when it comes to abortion, when it comes to this thing? Right. So those are the type of uh, inconsistencies uh, that I see. Uh, so let's do this. Uh, doc no, before before we go, and I'm going to give you, you some time to wrap it up. Uh, you went from being born on the wrong side of the track and wearing uh, uh, tough skins, tough skins <laughs> and made fun of and someone who didn't like school, someone who did not have confidence uh, and I hope I'm wording this right in yeah, his ability yeah. to learn to someone who got to a point and all of a sudden I'm going to get educated. I love what I'm doing. You get enthusiastic. You got a family. What were some of the obstacles or challenges that you, give me a top two or three obstacles and challenges 
that you had to overcome uh, to get from being uh, born on the wrong side of the track to where you are today, where you're sitting here talking to me, quote, the famous person. And by the way, I don't look at myself as that at all. In fact, every time someone reminds me or look at me that way, it's kind of throw me off and to be honest, kind of uncomfortable with it because, you know, I, I'm a back behind the scenes person. I just like getting problem solved. That's the only reason I'm out here is that I want to see results and get problem solved. And God knows we got a lot of problems that's been going on in the black community before their 50 years. And that's the only reason I'm out here today, basically. But anyway, how did Tell me about some of the challenges and obstacles that you had to overcome, uh, like I said, to get from the wrong side of the track to where you are now. Yeah, I'd say, you know, you kind of hit them there. It's like, you know, I had to ch I had to battle with being the poor kid and trying to, you know, dreaming of Air Jordans and and wearing the Kmart shoes and. Right. You know, you, you can't, I don't know if it was a lack of self-esteem or what, but it probably was, you know, I had to overcome that. Like I didn't, I didn't do great in high school. I didn't know that, you know, not that I'm extremely intelligent, but I didn't know. I, I thought maybe, are you dumb? You know, I didn't know. Like, you know, I didn't, when you don't apply yourself, I didn't know. So that was a big one for me. And then when I first went to college and started getting straight A's, when I applied myself, you know, um, finding myself. Um, yeah finding myself um was the big thing you know because my, my parents were fantastic um my dad was just an amazing just the happiest guy whistle while you work kind of guy but i was never really encouraged um again right. it was just just be happy so uh, there was never he was like you're just you're gonna be a welder like me but nothing against welders right right, right yeah. not, not at all welder right now i'll take that someone trained me quick um Right. But, right. Um, you know, those were the probably the big ones um, in my family. A lot of um, not my immediate family necessarily, but a lot of addiction issues. So that's okay. near and dear to my heart. In fact, I should mention this. My stepbrother and my cousin both died of heroin overdoses within the Ooh. last nine months. Um, so Ooh. near and dear to me, that issue. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, addiction in my family. I probably drank a couple too many beers in lacrosse uh, when I was in my early 20s. You can't help it. <laughs> Where you go as a bar. Yeah, but that never really was a hurdle for no, me. No. Um, just getting, you know, um, finding myself. How did how do I find myself? And I'm sure there are millions of people out there that have story, stories similar to mine. But once you find something that motivates you and you apply yourself, you know, you can blossom. And... Uh, yeah, so thanks for that because, uh, as I often say, uh, I think uh, everyone can be whatever they want in life. And one of my missions and goals is to get people who uh, think they cannot achieve to understand you can achieve. In fact, uh, I, I, oh, by the way, a condolences uh, for your uh, family member who died of the overdose. And that's a whole different story, too. We talked earlier in the podcast about uh pills for everything and people That's how the whole started. yeah how, how the whole pharmaceutical industry work and the impact it has on our healthcare system so 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 that, that's a, a, a another issue also but it sounds like to me that uh, i picked up on a couple of themes uh one is uh 
the work ethics uh, and two, uh, maybe one and two, we reverse that, uh, the influence of your father uh, as far as giving you guidance and, and, and things like that and perhaps even planted the seeds and gave you some fundamentals that uh, came to fruition when you did discover yourself and your purpose in life. But uh, how important was uh, having a father in the home? Uh, uh, tremendous. I can't even imagine. I remember to this, I just explained to my nine-year-old, I remember sitting on, I was seven years old. I went in his bedroom, he left for work and I started bawling. I just didn't want him to ever leave me. You know, hey. just having my dad around. Yeah. Just, yeah. To, you know, it's sad. And he's, you know, again, um, he's, you know, suffering with Alzheimer's now. He doesn't even know who I am. So that's another um, right. big thing in my life right now. That, But he was, he made me who I am. You know, even though he didn't give me a lot of encouragement as far as, you know, go to college, you can do anything you want. Me being able to focus on being happy first mm -hmm. allowed me to find myself. Okay. And, and well, then flourish, you know. Yeah. I tell everybody, I grew up with my dad in the home, too. And and like you, I can't imagine him not being there and what life would be like and how it would have uh, 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 impacted my life. And so and, and people know I'm a proponent of uh, wherever we can and whenever it makes sense, uh, uh, two parent uh, homes. I think that makes a very big difference. I think we kind of poo poo that nowadays. So uh, what I like to do. Uh, on my show, Mark, is uh, ask my guest, because, you know, I, I, I'm not the uh, most thoughtful host. <laughs> no, no, I'm not the perfect host. Let's put it that way. Uh, uh, are there, is there an issue that uh, you wanted to talk about that I wasn't uh, prescient enough, I think that's a word, or thoughtful enough to ask about? Uh, you got anything like that for us? No, you know, I think we kind of touched on everything. We were going to talk about uh, education and the lack of civics. and Oh, yeah. School. That's a big – so I'm homeschooling my kids right now. Yeah. I pulled, you know, and that was over the masks. My my kid didn't want to wear a mask, you know. It scared right. him. And, and he, he couldn't breathe very well, and that's a whole other topic. Um, yeah. But, so we – I'm homeschooling. And it's amazing. Um and now I'm, I'm really, after that, I really dug into what's going on in the school system. And um, I don't like it. I don't like some of it. Um, okay. There's, you know, the, yeah, I don't want to get too partisan, but I think people listening to the show probably know what I'm talking about. And, but I'll tell you this, uh, more people should homeschool. If you got, well, if, it, if, if it's any consolation to you, Whenever I talk about education, I don't like the school system either. Uh, there's an achievement gap out there. I've been up front. I don't think educators are ever going to solve it, and I hope I, they prove me wrong. Uh, I've been up front about uh, my uh, being anti-CRT, that I think this whole critical race theory thing is just a bunch of silliness. So, I, I mean, I've just been up front about that. Uh, but let's, let's – we'll, we'll chat again. I'll have you on again. And talk about the whole uh, Constitution and civics and the Bill of Rights and education. The fact, uh, well, they stopped teaching civics. Yeah. And at, in fact, I heard a recent uh, judge, district court judge, uh, say that she had asked uh, very smart people in Silicon Valley 
about uh, judgeships and the independence of the, uh, uh, of the judiciary. And she said she was amazed that these supposedly educated and some of rich folks didn't have the slightest idea of what she was talking about. And I think that's one of the dangers in our country because the way I put it, uh, it's hard to complain about losing uh, your rights that you don't even know you have and that you're not even taught about. And I just uh, am appreciative of my eighth grade civics teacher, the late Mr. Dickey, who really taught us civics and the background and, and logic behind the laws and the Constitution. And he had a saying, too, and respect for the law. As a matter of fact, uh, ignorance of the law is no excuse for violating it. And I always like that. And you have to understand, uh, in a lot of cases, we, we knew uh, whether we liked the law or not, we knew to violate the law was inconsistent with us meeting our goals in life. So I'm going to end it there. Uh, great uh, for you to come once again from an alma background and reach your goals and families and everything. Look like you're going to become famous too uh, uh, if you're not already and uh, grow up to be rich and famous and happy and married also. So just let's happy. do it. Just, just happy. happy. Just happy. As, as, long right. as I'm happy, I don't care yeah. about money. Yeah, and, and, and I, I tell everybody, look, when I grew up, we had God, I had great parents, great people in my life, great food, and great music, and that's 95 to 99% of joy and happiness in life right there. And you notice that money was not in that list, a big house, a big car, fancy car, none of that is in my list. So I learned at a very early age uh, to focus on the important things in life, and and like you, I recently had a sister passed away, and they started off the service with uh, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. And I just remember hearing that song for the first time when I was about 10 years old or so. And I just remember the verse, uh, build your hopes on things eternal. And that has been a guide in my life. And I know we're living in a world where people judge people by how much money they got, how much fame they have, how big the house is, and all that to me silliness uh but i was just blessed that i didn't have that so leave us with a good uh positive message mark before you and i wait a minute hold on a second you never did tell me whether or not you're going to be help cooking uh thanksgiving dinner i'm going to be helping cook i don't know i'll probably i'll probably handle the chicken um, oh yes okay okay good good and uh my wife will handle the the she makes the best healthy desserts i mean they're healthy like you can eat them and you can eat a lot of it because it's like, you know, gluten-free and sugar-free and just good fats, none of the bad fats. So we'll eat a lot of that. My wife's an amazing, uh, amazing cook, too. So we'll work together. She'll make the lefsa, and I look forward to that once a year. I love that stuff. So, yeah. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a pleasure, Lacey. I, I know a couple people that know you, and they told me you were a great person. And when I met you at the steps of the Capitol there, I, I could feel it. Like, my dad told me, you'll feel it. Yeah. Like you gotta ask questions, but he's like, "You'll feel it. You can't trust yeah. everyone, but you'll feel it." So I feel it with you. Yeah. Like, we'll have to sit down for coffee sometime, and yeah, and then when we more. sit down for coffee sometime, I want one of these healthy desserts that's really good because yeah, because that sounds like an oxymoron to me, kind of a no, thing. It's you not. Know? I roast uh, my own coffee beans too, so some of the best coffee you'll ever drink. So I'll have you over okay. sometime. For yeah, let, let's let's have me over. I'd be more than glad to do that. But I was saying. uh, 
before I digressed again and asked you about whether or not you're going to help with the Thanksgiving dinner, I was asking you to leave our audience uh, uh, with some positive encouragement uh, before we go both go off and start cooking our Thanksgiving dinner. So the floor is yours, Mark. Yeah, I would say um, for everyone out there, your Esther moment, you know, who knows but that you were chosen for this royal position at such a time as this, you know, don't be afraid. Everyone's uh, um, got to take some risks before you can achieve. And um, if you take that step, who knows what will happen. Um, and uh, love everyone. You know, that's my message. No matter which side of the aisle, no matter what their religious convictions, yeah. no matter who they are, you know, it's time for kindness, faith, family, and community. Um, yeah. I think uh, I think good things are to come in this world. I do. I think maybe we take another dip, you know, to, I think maybe it gets a little worse before it gets better. But I think maybe this needed to happen in this world right. Right. before we can truly find um, that kindness in, in communities being together are what's going to heal us. Yeah. Me and someone was talking the other day and I'm a civil war buff and I told him I just remember President Lincoln uh and I'm paraphrasing here that all the countries in the world with all their armies could not uh take this country and if we are to go down it's going to be from within and of course that uh goes with his uh statement based on the biblical verse that a house divided cannot stand and i just hope somewhere along the line that we start focusing and this way i put it to people and you know with my corporate background i just loved it because we got things done we got yeah. tough things done and uh looking back on it we got tough things done because we had a common motive now unfortunately that motive unfortunately that motive was money and I'm trying to think of something else that can bring us together, man. You know, I mean, we don't have money to motivate people. And so people uh, feel uh, great uh, being divided. And and you would think, I mean, social media uh, had has the capability of bringing us together and have positive dialogue and things like that. But boy. It's being used to tear us apart and for us yeah. to disrespect each other and being uncivil and call each other. It's just ridiculous, really. Uh, and sometimes it feels like going down in the sewer uh, when you go out there. But we're going to keep trying. We're going to keep the hope. Uh, right. I, I, I have hope and faith in people. Now, like you indicated earlier, generally, we only uh, solve tough issues when we absolutely positively have have to have to and if you go into politics one of the things that politicians do that just drives me crazy but i understand it they're always kicking the can down the road and uh hopefully you're not that if you get I'll in tell there you what, Lacey, if i take that step which it's i'm leaning you know okay I, there's a there's a light shining down this path right and uh we're we're, we're going through this uh, through the storm on the ship and i won't jump off the ship Right, right. Um, but I'll never kick the can down. I'm, yeah, 
I, I just want what's best for everyone. You know, I've always said too, if you have a very liberal person, a very conservative person, you could bring those two people together. Yes. And they're gonna figure out the reason, you know, they're gonna figure out answers. They're gonna come together, figure it out, make some cut, you know, compromise. But in politics, it doesn't seem they can do that. We need, you know, we need real people legislating for us, not you know, the turmoil that's there. We need real people, and so I don't know. I don't know the exact future for me, but I know I'm not going to stop um, fighting for what I believe is right for all of all of America. Okay. Well, thanks once again, Mark, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Uh, and boy, that teenager driving, I don't know what the advice to give. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you <on> that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the scariest time as a parent for me. Yeah. When they start driving those cars because I know from personal experience, uh, it takes about 10 or 15 years to really learn how to drive. And that's more to it than just keeping the car in the road and you got to come in to get into spots. And in fact, I'll tell this little story. I'll leave it with you and my audience. Uh, my oldest son, when he got his, uh, received his driver's license, he wanted a Toyota a nice Toyota as a grad, high school graduation present. And I'm like, son, we're not, I'm not going to give you no nice car for graduation because you're, you're going to tear up the first. You're going to have two or three accidents with the first one before you learn how to drive. <laughs> and it's a true story. The first day he went out driving by himself and came back home, there was a, uh, a dent in his car where he was in an accident. So, uh, But hang in there uh, with my younger son, though I uh, – I used to ride to school with him and see how he acted. And uh, a couple of times I sat in the backseat with him and his friends in the car. And uh, he, he he got it pretty uh, soon. So once again, uh, thanks, Mark. Uh, Thank you. Gone away too long. Happy Thanksgiving to uh, uh, you and your uh, uh, family. Uh, expect these recipes for these healthy desserts. And we'll do coffee sometime and talk about some other issues that uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about. So Sounds thank good, you please. and good night, Mark. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you again. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye. And bye to my audience. Uh, you, all of you, once again, have a happy Thanksgiving out there. And I think uh, uh, our theme should be let's come together and solve some of these tough problems because uh, we're all in the same boat here on this planet. Uh, we're all in the same smaller boat in this country. And I have made a pledge. I will work with anyone uh, who uh, sees an issue that they want to solve, and we can come together and work and solve it. So good night. God bless everyone. Happy Thanksgiving again. Good night.